0: I feel like in order to be really excited about doing something, you need to be a pioneer. Because for me, doing something that somebody else has done is not really exciting. For me personally, and it's not an ego thing; it's more just about an excitement thing of like getting me to feel like I can make a difference and make a change and make a mark uh, in in a sort of sector of business where sectors of business are already shaped and it's very hard to uh, you know make it you know draw any attention to make some noise
1: or changes. Welcome back to Buy Size. Uh, I'm super excited about this episode. Um, one of my best and closest friends, um, incredible entrepreneur, and uh, one of the most stylish people in business, I think. I hope you don't mind me saying that, bro. but uh, welcome to the podcast, Mike. Um super happy to have you here. Thank you for uh, giving me some time today.
0: Hey, brother. You mean stylish as far as what I wear or
1: stylish as, as far as how bro. I do my business? Just everything. The way you're the way you approach business, your, your style, um, your, your your head and shoulders above. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Um, so let's kick it off. Uh, I like to do this with everyone. Tell me your, your two-minute career story, um, where it started and, and kind of what you're doing now. So I started out
0: in music uh, when I was a young kid. I was a musician. I started to you know play the band circuits and quickly realized that there was no career to be had. In that path, you know, I was struggling, you know, trying to make ends meet. And I decided to pivot out of that into editing. You know, I realized I was doing like a lot of engineering and producing. So I knew the technical sides of the music. And it was easy to convert over to like editing content. So I got involved in reality TV when I first started. I started editing and assistant editing on reality TV shows. And that naturally progressed to starting a post production company, then a production company. And then I, you know, next thing I know I was a business owner, you know, running a facility downtown in the West village, which had 32 edit rooms, producing, developing, selling, pitching, whatever it is, uh, reality and TV shows and sports content. And it was, uh, it was a wild ride. It was a, a school of hard knocks. I learned a shit ton. And, uh, in the middle of that, uh, you know, as I'm always like super entrepreneurial, you know, cause I'm always looking for opportunities to grow. I decided to bring my music traits back into the content space. So, as I had a production company producing content, I created a music publishing company to supply music to that content, and then also friends of mine in the business. So, I started a company called My Music with my business partner Pete Sapina, and he and I uh, built a catalog of music that we place in shows. And about three years ago, I sold, I uh, exited that production company to uh, start to stay on my music company full time. And now that company's grown to, we have 60,000 roughly songs in the catalog. That's about 500 artists, and then we place music in a whole bunch of different content on TV. A lot of cable TV network, uh, like I said, reality, sports, You know, NBA finals, and the uh, CBS NFL packages, and a bunch of reality shows, million dollar listing, and you name it, we're spread out as wide as we can be, because that's the business. You, know, you got to be in everything to make it make sense. Um, yeah, and then I just want to say, lastly, I have a new company called Indelible, and it's uh, probably a longer conversation to explain that. But it's backed by NFTs. It's a membership reward system where we actually uh, give access to exclusive clothing drops. So it's real clothes that we drop, and it's a fashion brand, and we back it by an NFT membership.
1: I I, I know there's like there's a lot more to that, but that's a super helpful kind of outline, and and it's like. It's the indelible NFT web three space we're uh, kind of gonna focus on today a little bit more. So um appreciate you taking us through through kind of where you started and, and where you're to now. Um I also started in music. I was a failed musician. Um so <laughs> oh, <the> band <laughs> I know. We 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 still haven't done a collaboration, but one day we will. Um so indelible, as you mentioned, kind of fashion brand NFTs, um elevating that up slightly, this term Web3, right? I think there's there's little consensus out there as to what the term Web3 actually means. Um, what does it mean to you? And what was your first interaction into the world of you know Web3 and NFT's, NFT's digital collectibles?
0: Yeah, great question. Um, NFT definitely has a negative connotation to it in the public. But for me, the blockchain technology and the components of Web3 on top of that was super powerful, knowing business and knowing even on my music company where we actually pay out, you know, the PROs, which is the performance rights organizations pay out royalties to artists directly. But other stuff like sync fees fit out traditional accounting, you know? So the thing about the blockchain is it all could happen instantaneously via smart contracts. So I looked at that and I was like, wow, there's interesting power here in the technology. And I think people a lot of times will think about NFTs and say it's just digital art. Um, and it's not the case for me. I actually look at it like digital memberships. And I think the memberships are tied to sort of uh, equity or royalties or whatever it is in that business
1: structure that you want to dole out to the, whatever the business plan would be to the people that are involved with. Yeah, definitely. And what, so outside of that interest from like a business perspective, were you buying NFTs? Uh, did you get involved in that kind of boom of NFTs to begin with just to kind of, figure out what does this all mean and we were talking just before uh we started recording about it's complex right you have to understand wallets you have to be able to you have to have crypto to be able to do it so um was it just of pure intrigue and and what was your experience in buying those nfts and then i guess to carry on from that how do you see that evolving with people like yourself and you know Myself to a lesser degree, we're aware of the space and so we've tested things, but from a broader consumer standpoint, how do we start making these things more accessible to the average consumer?
0: Yeah. So as far as like me getting involved with NFTs, like um, I dabbled in it in the beginning. I, I usually like to do my of research and move fast, but take my time too, to understand what I'm doing. I'm not like a cowboy, be a reckless in anything that I do. I'm usually very tactical and strategic. So. Um, I did buy a couple of NFTs. I got an Inzuki. I got you know a Hape and a you know a couple of other you know NFTs similar to that. And it was really just buying them and learning about how the whole world works. And I also have a team on double. I mean, there's about twelve of us right now. That's all bootstrap business that are Web three people, right? And and I've learned from them. We actually have daily calls scheduled. Where at this point I'm pretty up to speed and well versed. But in the beginning it was a learning process, listening to them and understanding what, my, what I'm trying to do with the company and
1: how that applies to the culture. And then the second part of your question was what? I'm sorry. like so um, That's a great answer, by the way. So the second part of the question was for, for the general public, right? Got it. Who, yeah. who aren't super aware of the technology because it's very complex whilst it's trying to simplify aspects of like financial technology and stuff, right? But how, how do you see that evolving to the point where it's more accessible? Pretty easy. I think that there's always this thing in web three where
0: everybody's like, um, bridging the gap, they use that terminology, which is like kind of whack at this point, you know, I say force the gap, you know what I mean? You gotta take people by the hair and drag them across the bridge. And how do you do that? Well, you give them a product in real life that they want so bad that makes them have to buy that NFT or that digital collectible. Now, the other side of it is you gotta make that transaction very simple. And a lot of uh, newer blockchains that are coming out, even like other companies are creating APIs in the smart contracts that are allowing uh, to purchase a credit card, a uh, purchase an NFT via a credit card. So you can combine it on a credit card. You have a you know a wallet that actually is on a website. And you just log in with a password. So it's like any other e-commerce or any other page like that. And now you're in the system. But then what happens from there is where the power comes in the community. And the beauty of what. Three is the fact that if you have a collection of like say 5,000 NFTs and you're, you're a company that's like has a product and you give your community a product, now it hides up the community where the value of those memberships go up. Now when people trade it, the company gets a royalty on the secondary. So as the company gets a royalty on the secondary, that creates them to create more product to give it to the community for free. So it kind of creates like organic hype. And for me, we figured out a model to try to figure out how to disrupt the drop model, You know, where everybody's actually dropping clothes and people are waiting on lines, how could we change that up a little bit? And that's kind of a thing. So I think once it starts to adapt to like real products and real relatable things for people that don't care about the NFT side of it, that's when mass adoption and mass education is going to come into play.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. Um... Talking about Indelible in a bit more detail. So you mentioned kind of fashion. I know it's very rooted in kind of tattoo culture as well. At least that's some of its origins Um, and brand partnerships. That's why, like, obviously we've spoken a lot about this in terms of what Indelible is doing different to, you know, just dropping an NFT digital collectible. There's an actual tangible consumer benefit. And it's very cultural, um, tied into the culture. Um, You just kind of mentioned it a bit there, but... But anyone, you know, who's interested in, in like, both from a consumer side and someone who's thinking about starting an NFT project, what are the main considerations that have gone into it? Because I, I agree with something specific you said, it's it's like about a community that's relevant and also something tangible, not just about the, the, the digital collectible, right? So what are the main three considerations and maybe make it specific to what Indelible is doing in this space?
0: Well, I mean, just first off, I think that like all companies should approach blockchain technology as a reason why to add it to their corporation, because a lot of companies are just like forcing it in because it's like, you know, a fad. Um, And I think it'd be a real important application for it. Um, If there's not an important application for it, then don't do it. You know, like there's no reason to just say you're selling NFTs. Like there needs to be a reason why you're using that technology. I've seen so many people... Create these NFT projects and they add these like utilities. And I'm like, that could just be a, an e commerce page on, you know, you can that on anywhere, right? So, as far as Indelible is concerned, you know, what we really want to do is elevate tattoo culture. I wanted to create a, a brand. I'm into fashion, I'm into products, I'm into tattoo culture. So, we thought about an interesting way to do that. And how can we connect Web3 and Web2 and tattoo culture all together while actually keeping that culture of all three intact? So we actually, the impetus of it is we actually take NFTs characters that are already existing and we license them from the holders and we tattoo them. The actual digital characters, we put real tattoos on them. the, The tattoo artist draws on the characters, right? We drop them as a derivative. So now it stays in web three and the original holder gets a royalty on that. So now they're incentivized to actually get in our culture. Then we drop our membership tickets, which allow anybody to get access to our clothes. So, um, and all the clothes are designed through the indelible lens via tattoo artists. So we, all tattoo artists are coming in, they're helping us with designs, but we're also very conscious of the fact that we're growing this as a fashion brand. Because what I see a lot in NFT culture is I see a couple of big projects adding utilities, like dropping a jacket in real life for the community. And you look at it and it has their little character on it and it's kind of whack. Like I would never wear that jacket. I would own the F T but I would never wear the clothes. So for me, we need to have the clo- the clothing brand needs to have that culture, super tight, so we want that creative lens to be controlled by somebody that understands that world and then the artists will inspire the throughput, right? Bring in tattoo artists, but I don't want it to be like you know all over the place or look like, you know, all due respect to Ed Hardy when we're putting tattoos on t-shirts.
1: Yeah, I, I t- and I think you made a really good point there. Of, it's like shiny object syndrome. You know, a lot of brands are saying, "Oh well, NFTs, Web three, let's do something," and it it just feels like well, we're just jumping in. It's not been thought through, right? To your point, is it's not actually relevant to either the consumer or baked in something that's actually, um, you know, beneficial to the the end consumer they're trying to reach. Um, and so, I like the way you you kind of explain and thinking through like the relevancy of communities and how everyone kind of like benefits. And it's like real uh tight quality control do you see what i mean
0: totally and it all comes down into the operations of how the corporate corporation structure you know and i think about that as i build teams like there's different point peoples in different sectors of that and they all need to connect and they kind of all need to agree at some point and that's the magical formula like yes it doesn't in tattoo culture yes it doesn't abandon fashion yes it doesn't abandon web three there's the winner you know and that's how we come got it but those people you know need to be in the infrastructure in order to scale and need to have that communication flow properly because you know daniel like you worked into big big corporations and you see how fragmented they get especially big corporations are already set off and they're bringing in another infrastructure and trying to sort of like you know migrate them into the culture it just is very difficult so starting from the ground up is actually helping me build that from scratch to make sure that's all intact
1: yeah i know 100 percent um Fragmentation and also slow, right? The speed at which you can operate and adapt is like a snail pace and, and um and I don't the other thing with, with everything Web3 NFTs is, is it's still so early, right? Like it's still so early in the evolvement of what that's gonna be. Um I think there's just so much and I'd love to hear from your perspective, I'm sure, what what have been the challenges? Um, in just in terms of just creating a company that's focused on dropping this um, collection within it with Indelible, Well, I mean I'm a fucking masochist at heart. I guess
0: I like to <laughs> yeah. uh, as opposed I know, I to know. Way, as as opposed to wait for somebody to pave the way and I can kind of jump on that on that. Track. But um, yeah, I don't. You know, it's just uh, I. I feel like in order to be really excited about doing something, you need to be a pioneer. Because um, for me, doing something that somebody else has done is not really exciting uh, for me personally. And it's not an ego thing. It's more just about an excitement thing of like getting me to feel like I can make a difference and make a change and make a mark uh, in in a sort of sector of business uh, where sectors of business are already shaped. And it's very hard to, uh, you know, make it, you know, draw any attention to make some noise or changes. Um, so, so that's why I feel like this this is really, really open ended, um, and there's so much we can do. And there's going to be the secondary people that come behind us are the ones that are probably going to win the most um, because we're going to figure out all the problems, and they're going to they're going to actually um, you know learn from our problems and then just have a leg up to you know leapfrog over us. But um, I think if know you stay true to what you're doing and you just stay in it and you keep learning and thinking about it. Uh, it's going to be a bumpy ride, you know. Web three is going to change and evolve and modify or in any all different types of ways, and it's just about how you keep your business vision intact and you keep modifying the mechanics to support that behind that.
1: Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, but th- first mover advantage is great, but like you said, typically paves the way for second movers to mitigate the mistakes and the, the issues that the first movers uh, pave the way for, but. Um, I'm pretty confident with indelible. I mean, I, I being into tattoos and fashion myself, it, it, it out of all the NFT projects. And there's brands doing it more on like a brand level. Um, as with like the Pepsi team uh last week and they're really seeing it as like a loyalty aspect, right? They're not trying to sell more cans of Pepsi or cans of drink. It's like a loyalty play. Um but yeah, I, I like what you said there. Shifting gears a little bit, right? We spoke web three NFTs. I'm also intrigued as to what's your what's your perception or take on what the metaverse is, because um, that's another element of Web three, right? In, in so much as like um, it's all it's all kind of part of what we call Web three. What is what is the metaverse? If you had to describe it, I, I think it's uh,
0: interesting. You know, I think of, for math's adoption, this is how I feel like it's going to play out. I mean, if you think about like. Uh, um, you know, Kim Kardashian as an example drops a product on her Instagram, and all of a sudden that product gets a lot of attention, which you know helps sell more products for that brand. Um, I think the verse is going to be similar to that, and that's why land is really important on who you're next to, right? Because at some point it could just be, you know, just a hyped up, you know, e-commerce uh, experience where people are just shopping for real products, and that experience is just going to be more interactive. Whether I'm going on a .com to buy a shirt or I'm just jumping in the metaverse and going to a store and I'm also just exploring stores like I see a store that I like to go to and next door there's something else let me just pop in here it's as if a web page is introducing you to another web page so I feel like on that aspect I think it's going to be super powerful if somebody can really hone that in and figure that out on the other stuff of like living in this virtual world and having all these virtual meetings and stuff it'll be a little bit of that but I think we're humans right like regardless we're going to always want to snap out of that, you know, and come back, that human interaction.
1: Yeah. I think that's a really interesting point because, you know, um, we're a little bit older and it's interesting, like, to, if you ask that of a younger demographic, like if I asked that of Molly, my daughter, you know, uh, I think um, it's interesting stroke, slightly scary that actually they really like the idea of having this, digital identity um i think like it's gonna be really interesting to see how that evolves because they're so used to you know i grew up without a phone without social media without any of that i you know your interaction was only in person right there wasn't any form of digital interaction whereas now there's so much of that and the the generations coming up behind us you know you turn 11 12 you've got a phone you're on social media, so from a really early age, a lot of your interactions are are based in this kind of digital environment. Um, so I think like there's there's the business mind of me and the marketing social media web three business aspect, but from a personal societal uh, and fatherly uh, standpoint, I don't know if I would encourage it too much. <laughs> you know, I think if. I think there's some potential negatives when it comes to people's ability to interact in person if you're living too much within just a digital environment. I mean, you're 100% correct. I
0: mean, it's just a matter of like, how do you combat that? I think it's just in the parenting aspect of how you try to teach your kids because there's power in that too. It's always about how you can utilize it to a positive thing or not get sucked into the negative. But Because if you can think about, there's probably... You can be like super entrepreneurial inside there and probably connect with some really interesting, powerful people that you can build really interesting or big things together. But then you got to know how to pull out and actually connect humans on a one-on-one, right? That's why like, I don't know, I don't know exactly your age, but for me, 49 years old, you know, I came up when I was younger, there was no computers and we had beepers and, and then it became computers and I was young enough to learn it. But I understand both sides of it. I understand the computer aspect of it and I understand like the human interaction of it because there's, you don't underestimate the hustle of just, you know, connecting with people, you know, on a, on one It's like really, really
1: important. Yeah. No, I I a hundred percent agree. Yeah. There's definitely a benefit, I, I, you know, it, it, everything to do with this social, the, the way the technology it's, it, it makes the world smaller because you can connect with anyone. Um, I don't even know if that's how me and you first connected, or whether it was at a rumble class. I'm sure some element of it was through Instagram. I think it was on Instagram, yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. And then it's you know led into you know becoming friends and actually having a in real life um, relationship as well, which is which is obviously good. Um, going back to Indelible, then, so where are you at at the stage of Indelible? When is it dropping? Um, and for anybody who wants to find out more, like where's the best place for them to go? So we are dropping in May
0: sometime fingers crossed. Um all of our art is done. We have 1000 azukis ready to go. We have uh we're going to drop 5000 of these tattoo machines. You're going to buy them via a credit card. The reason why we don't know the drop date is we're actually dropping our collection on a new blockchain and we're going to be a launch partner for them. So there's like 40 launch partners with one of the 40 um and it's going to be Massive, um, as far as like their reach, it's a huge company. You can have reach of pretty much the whole U.S., and you're going to be able to buy it on a credit card. So we're onboarding on with them right now, and we're waiting for them to let us know when the launch date is, and that's where we're going to launch. But if you follow our socials, um, you know, Indelible NFT on Twitter and NFT Indelible on Instagram, um, we'll just keep everybody up to date. And we're a dripping art, and we have a clothing collaboration we're doing with a company called Paris Laundry, that we're de- designing their clothes right now, that you know, we're designing a drop with them that we're going to drop uh, right around the NFT drop. So holders will get access to that, holders will also get free products too. So per- an example of a free product would be like on the NFTs, like can you buy like cheese, we give away like these, ne- we have like these necklaces that we give like barbed wire necklaces. So every- all of our products come in like tattoo needle bags. With, you know labeled indelible like our thing so our clothes are going to tattoo needle you know, bags that's like our branding but we're going to drop jewelry we have, have like uh earrings and necklaces and rings and then we also have like hoodies and breast pants dress shirts tds all super high-end um definitely elevated i guess elevated streetwear is probably the best way to explain it
1: um a really you know premium price point too awesome Awesome man! Um, I'll make sure we link, to, uh, link everything out as well, so people can find you easily from this. And Emma, um, uh, if you're looking for any influencers, you know, want to send some free product out, I, I might know somebody. Gotcha. I, got I'm, I'm should... gonna rock, I think I'll rock one of those chains uh, and some some hello. elevated streetwear. <laughs> let, let me know. Well, it would
0: fit you well, man.
1: <laughs> 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 yeah, right. <laughs> That's uh-huh. amazing uh dude i really appreciate you coming on uh thank you so much again like i'm super excited for this indelible project i kind of have been watching you build it in the background and kind of seeing the steps you've been going through and as someone who you know as a friend but also interested in this NFT space but you know not someone who knows everything about the back end what i really like about it is there's a real benefit to consume it's rooted in culture it, it's it's connected it doesn't just feel for the sake of it right there's a real purpose to this uh, so i think you're building something for me incredible in the space and i'm super excited to watch it drop and grow um but i really appreciate your time uh, thank you so much for coming on thanks man thanks for having me appreciate it of course.